following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. So, Johnny, yeah, I think any sports fan's dream, or the majority of them, is to own their own sports team. Andrew, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, I have successfully, I mean, I got all the notes and stuff from my bank and from my lawyer here. I'm faxing over them over to you now. I have successfully bought out uh, all of our podcasts. <laughs> have you? Yeah, yeah. I am now the owner of all of our podcasts. Okay. Uh, all decisions go through me. I mean, you can see it here in this legal, completely legal letter that I've faxed over from my own fax machine because that's smart. And, uh, <laughs> and here you go. It says your net worth here is uh, $235 million. Is that true? I'm good for it, man. I'm definitely good for it. No need to dive into that. You know, just... Go by what my letterhead there tells you, and we're all golden here. Oh, wait, I got a text from your attorney, too, saying, yes, these are this is all true. Yeah, see? Johnny is see? worth $235 million. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen my car that's non-existent? <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> no, I, I, I have it, but it says right here that you own uh, two Rolls Royce Phantoms. I most certainly do. Phantom being the key word here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all true. All of it. No need to dive into my background or to look at the other podcasts that I attempted to buy and for whatever weird reasons fell through. No need to do any sort of due diligence at all. Uh, just take my word for it and these obviously faked uh, letters that I'm sending to you through my fax machine. <laughs> Your own fax machine. Can you yeah. wire? Can you wire me? I need ten million dollars right now, Johnny. Okay, yeah. Uh, give me a second. Let me check here. I'm going to get that right over to. Here you go. Oh man, I accidentally sent ten dollars. Oh man, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, it, it's not my fault. Uh, something happened with the bank. Uh, I think their their machines are down or something like that. I, can I can I get it to you tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll try this again tomorrow. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right. So this is kind of a little of what happened here and what the documentary or the 30 for 30 that we're talking about in Big Shot. That's right. Where uh, I, I want to say an average Joe, but kind of an average Joe attempts. It's kind of hard to say because John Spano was a business. He did. He was a legit business owner in yes. Dallas. I think it was what network somewhere in Texas, Dallas. And he had done some kind of a few major deals, but it wasn't like he was worth millions of dollars. He was actually worth more like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, yes. Uh, but where he what where he kind of helped himself was he sort of got himself into these circles of other people who were millionaires and such, and just made them all believe that he was that he belonged with them. The funny thing about that though is he didn't even make them feel like when he did all this. Like, as we get more into it, it wasn't even like, hey, I'm a millionaire. He was like, no, I'm going to make people believe that I'm a billionaire. Yes. And this is in the 90s, or the, yes. which, 
you know, that makes billions even more impressive, really. But that's what he went for. Uh, and this, so the, the gist of the story, just to let everybody know, is uh, the New York, uh, I mean, the uh, New York Islanders uh, NHL hockey team um, had, was on, was not doing well. No. And the owner was really, really wanting to sell this team. And along comes uh, uh, Spano and buys the team, and he's the quote unquote savior. And I mean, even the crowd was chanting, Save us, Spano, you know, uh, and he became kind of a celebrity. Uh, but uh, we'll get into it. But let's just say he wasn't what he seemed. No. And like you said, you mentioned buying the Islanders, and the Islanders were in the early 80s, like the team. Like, wouldn't I think when yeah. you ask average people, you know, uh, who who do you think of when you think of 80s hockey? You normally go, like, if it's a player, you go right to Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. One of those Edmonton Oilers teams. Well, Which was really awesome to see Gretzky on this documentary, by the way. Yes. And I that love that cool. he credits the Islanders. Yes. Teaching them how to win. It was kind of like a Michael Jordan-esque bad boys thing. Like, Yes, that's what, that's what I got from it, too. I'm, yeah. I'm not this player without this team. Yeah. Showing me what it takes. And you, you and the Islanders won four straight Stanley Cups. They any team to win four straight in a row is impressive, and they're still, I think, the last team to do that. I mean, a lot of teams have won three in a row, yeah. Uh, but getting that fourth one in a row is very—I mean, three in a row in itself is difficult in any sport, but getting four in a row has got to be crazy, especially hockey because of the playoff series. And it's yeah, it's not an easy game. <laughs> it's not correct. A, yeah, even back then, it was not an easy game. It was a grind. It was a gruel and. But Gretzky says after they beat him, the Islanders beat him to get their fourth Stanley Cup, beat the Oilers. You know, he walks by the locker room and he sees all these guys bandage. Uh, yeah, who had just won a championship. Yeah. Now, they're celebrating, maybe having a having a beer or two, a little bit of champagne, but mainly they're pack, packing their bodies in ice. Yeah, because they've just been through a battle. Yeah. You know? And I think it it goes to show. I know the Warriors kind of went through it. That's probably the last team that I got to say that I've seen something like this, where over the time of constantly playing all the way through takes a toll on you. And yeah, I believe it probably ages you pretty quickly. It's got to. Yeah. And that wasn't the last time the Islanders, that was the last time the Islanders won a Stanley Cup. They did make it to a fifth one. The Oilers ended up beating them. And after that, it was kind of just a steady downfall. Yeah. So they are looking, their owner, John Pickett, who built this team up, made this major cable deal to help pay for all this stuff and get things going. He's getting older, too. He wants to sell off the Islanders. So they're looking yeah. for somebody. And, and let's just put this in perspective, too. Let's for the fan base. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you take like I've never experienced this being a Charlotte Hornets fan. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say you have a franchise that you're a diehard fan of. Celtics are actually a great example of this, yeah. right? Uh, who have obviously had some amazing, amazing years of just winning and winning championships or at the very least getting really far in the playoffs, having real success. And then you'll have some lean years. And those lean years are even more difficult, I would dare say, after being able to taste the success is when you have a bad thing. I mean, the Lakers are also another. I mean, I'm going to use a lot of basketball comparisons because I'm a basketball guy. But the Lakers are also another great 
example of this, you know, like the team, like the fan base always hates it when the team's not doing well because they're just not used to that. Uh, I would dare say the, you know, the Patriots I would probably throw in there right now. Uh, You know, just any of these teams that have just had a, a lineage of success. I mean, the Islanders, like we said, had just won four championships in a row and, and went to the finals in the fifth year. And then after that, it was almost like a light switch, right? Where it's just the bottom fell out. Their players started really aging, um, you know, and it just got worse and worse and worse. So I can only imagine, you know, what that would be like if you, especially for like Long Island really wants to not be New York City. And I get it, right? Like they, That's true. That is yeah. what, like I, I have a neighbor that is from Long Island. And oddly enough, as I live here in Texas, my daughter's boyfriend is from Long Island. Yeah. And he likes New York teams. But when it comes to talking about the area, he's on Long Island. Like, yeah. That's his that's his mindset. It's Long Island. Where's the best pizza place? You got to go to Long Island. You got to go here. You got to do that. And the part of an identity, right? It's part of an identity of you. Yeah. Well, that's that's a part of you. And like, if you have, like, if your actual area has its own professional team, that's a big deal, especially if you're not that far from like famous sports teams and uh, you know new york is well known for its sports teams uh so it's especially i mean especially the knicks right <laughs> yeah <laughs> those poor nick those poor nick fans man i feel really bad for them i but. would have the top ones in new york see the islanders are like that like the mets i feel yeah. you are because you yeah, got- baseball baseball is definitely the sport in new york city i would say yeah but even there's you got two you got two teams but the yankees are still king always you can always do that i mean it's the same thing in basketball right i mean the nets are in brooklyn now which is still new york city really mm-hmm. and they're i'm not saying they're a great team but they have some really good players uh but uh you know it's always going to be a nick city no matter what it doesn't matter what the nets do i think the nets could win two or three championships oh. and it's still going to be a nick city it's just what it is that yeah that's it's same thing with the clippers in los angeles yeah exactly yes yep that's one of those huge things look at uh I'm trying to think. There's baseball teams like the Angels are kind of they won a World Series before the Dodgers did after the Dodgers last World Series. They're both yeah. in there. But the Angels have gone by so many different names. Los Angeles Angels. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and stuff like that. Just because it's hard to have two sports teams playing the same sport in the same area. Yeah, it's really it's really weird. It's it's a lot easier. Um, I'll use the Atlanta Braves for example. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are hugely popular, and I think there's a lot to do with the fact that there's not really another team that's super close to them, right? Uh, like in North Carolina, I guarantee you, because that's where I'm at. Uh, if you may ask who who's your favorite uh, major, you know, your uh, pro baseball team, you're going to get a lot of Braves fans because it's just the closest team to us. Yeah, I we used to I'm trying to think. Yeah, because that's the way it was when I lived in Western New York. It was like the Yankees because it was, well, the Yankees are all, I hate the Yankees. I'm a Red Sox fan, but that's neither here nor there. But everybody always liked the Yankees. We don't have, in Western New York, there is no baseball team. There is a minor league baseball team, the Buffalo Bisons. Yeah, see, we have minor league baseball team here too that we absolutely love and adore, but yeah. 
we had a basketball team, but now they're the Los Angeles Clippers. So that might actually kind of be a good thing. We don't have a bit of basketball. Yeah. Team. <laughs> you even had Lob City for a little bit, but yeah, I think at one point we had Bob McAdoo and Moses Malone, and we just yeah. put them both away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Smart. Smart yeah. moves, man. Smart moves. Yeah. But but yeah, getting back to the Islanders yeah. here, they were they they were in a spot where they needed somebody to come along and save them. They were they were hungry for that. I would dare say. Yes. Very very hungry. At this point, I just remember them doing some weird weird stuff, like what they mentioned in there. Um, some weird trades. I don't know if this was before or after they traded. They had the second overall pick. They ended up trading it. And it, this was kind of bad luck. They traded it for this player, Alexi Yashin, who is probably one of the best players in the league. They signed him to a huge deal. And then he just, the bottom falls out. He's just yeah. absolutely nothing what he should be. <clears throat> uh, I think it was Brian Berard. He, they got him and he ended I mean, up. That happens, that happens in sports. What? That happens in sports way more than people think, though, where you get a player who has been really good, and then for whatever reason, you put him in a new place, and it's just nowhere near the same. Again, I'm using the Hornets here as an example, and I'm sorry for always using them, but I remember when we traded for or when we signed Nick Batum, and (laughs) he was a really good player. Like He was actually very good on his way up when he's playing for the Trailblazers. He was and I was very excited to get him because I thought he was going to be a really good player for us. And then it just, he was nowhere near that playing for us for whatever reason. So to put Alexi Yashin in perspective, oh no, this was later on. This was after. So I can't really use Alexi Yashin, but this is just stuff that the Islanders just seem cursed. I thought it was around this time. It's not quite in that time period. He's still with the Senators, but it was, they're not good. And then the logo changed, like they said. That yeah. Lo- that logo is horrible. It, was a it did look like the Gordon's fisherman. fisherman. It did look it's Gordon Fisherman, and that's what it was. Uh, I don't understand. Like I, I, I think a good logo has to. Uh, like I get where they were going with this. Like we want to kind of embody the area. I get that, but you got to design something better than that, man. Like it just literally looked like the Gordon's fisherman. I totally get. But it's also <clears throat> tough to redesign something and not take into account the previous designs uh, of something that meant something to people. You know, uh, I remember when um our area got really excited because the hornets were getting the name hornets back first of all and the logo was we're going back to like the logo now is reminiscent of the original logo that i grew up loving so i love the new logo so that's a great idea to do it that way a bad idea is to put a fisherman on your and they changed the color scheme like that yeah yeah blue and orange just kind of i know it I didn't realize it until I started watching this, but it is Matt's colors. It is. It's yes. like saying we are the second fiddle in a way, but that was like, they added that weird, like teal color to it. And it, yeah. and it didn't, I don't mess with your colors. Like if you're going to change your, your logo, I get it. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the new dolphins logo. Cause it just looks like a weird dolphin. Yeah. The old one was like supposed to be a dolphin jumping through a ring of fire. Right. Yeah. I understand maybe you want to change the logo. Don't change. Don't mess with color scheme because I think that's what ties you. The other big thing that ties you to the team as well is not just the logo, but the color scheme. It's the whole, yeah, it's the whole package. Yeah, uh, for sure. Because, you know, you can look at any professional sports team and they most certainly have some colors that they're, you know, you think Lakers, you're thinking yellow, gold, right? You think Celtics, you're thinking that green. Uh, You know, you think uh, any, you take any professional team and I can just name you one. And if you're remotely familiar with uh, those teams, you can probably tell me at least one of the colors that's associated with them. 
Yeah, I think the only good jersey change logo change is if you ever look up the old Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> yes, yeah. They're they're horrible to <laughs> But I might be a, a future episode, like horrible I, uh, horrible yeah. logos slash jerseys and such. <laughs> I'd like to do one on that and defunct teams, like just teams that oh, yeah. are not around. But they're gonna bring in this guy John Spano, and he's gonna save he's gonna save the team. Previously, before this. This is where red flag should have shined, but oh, a hundred percent. Here's the thing: like he, when he tries, yes, when he when he buys, when he becomes the owner of the Islanders, like before that, if you would have just <laughs> called somebody of the previous teams he tried to buy, you would have known this is not a good idea. I love the island or the the stars talking about it when he was trying to buy the Islander or the. I keep on saying stars it, when he was yeah. trying to buy the Dallas Stars. Which is funny because he would have had a Stanley Cup with the Stars because they did go in, I think, in uh, 98. Sorry to all you Sabres fans out there. They did call it a goal. <laughs> That's big, in, big in Buffalo. No goal and wide right. You don't bring those up. But So he's trying to buy the Stars, and they notice some signs. Like, they go to his yep. mansion. There's no furniture. His supposed mansion, like... If you have a mansion, you have to furnish it. Like there should be furniture somewhere. And there's and there's other little things too, right? Like they have business meetings, and he doesn't for lunch, and he doesn't pick up the tab. <laughs> and if you think about it, yeah, you he should. Like it just seems like it's a given that he's going to pick up the tab. You would think that, right? But if, no, he just lets the bill sit on the table for the longest time. <laughs> if I'm a billionaire with a B, Whataburger is on me every single time. Yeah, yes, no problem. I used to work at this uh, used car lot, and I have a lot of great stories about that. Not at all of them were remotely positive, but uh, the two owners were brothers, right? And um, I actually really liked them. I thought they were really fun to talk to and stuff, but uh, they owned a lot of places in uh, the biggest town near me, uh, so they're a pretty big deal when it comes to that stuff. Uh, but the one, But they didn't pay me super well, but I will say they always bought me lunch every day. Like it was never, it was not a big deal to them to buy me lunch. And I, it, it, it really meant something to me that I didn't have to worry about paying for my own lunch most of the time. That's, that's a big thing for guys that like to eat. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. And guess what? I am a guy who loves to eat. So <laughs> I used to load a guy's truck at work throughout the week. And I tell, I told him, I said, I'll load your, load your truck. All you got to do is buy me lunch on Friday and we'll be good. And then one time he didn't buy me lunch on Friday. So the next week I didn't load his truck. He goes, why did yeah. you do it? And I said, because we made a deal. So I was yeah. doing my job and his job. And it wasn't even my job to load the truck because I was the dispatcher. So, yeah, yeah. You got to gotta keep, speaking of what we're talking about, you got to keep up your end of the bargain, man. Yes, you do. <laughs> so this one just kind of like fell through. They're like, no, we're not going to do it. And then he tried to buy the Florida Panthers, <laughs> um, former Blockbuster owner, Mr. <laughs> Wayne Heinzega. Yeah. <laughs> But that one kind of fell through for a different reason. That was way more because he ended up getting a new arena, right? Yeah, they were they were said, okay, I get it. You know, we got a new arena. I don't need you anymore. Yeah, so that was kind of a different reason. But you most certainly could have reached out to the stars, and even the people they're interviewing for the stars said that nobody from the Islanders reached out to them to talk to them. Well, you could tell that this thing had some sort of an impact because when. One of the Waltons, like the own Walmart or the Air, wanted to buy the Broncos. Like they still had to go through a whole process on that. And this guy is a billionaire with him. Yeah. Like if you're an Air, it's much different now. Fortune, you know that's that's huge. But Spano, he gets he gets all of his uh all of his paperwork, 
gets it sent over and he's like, well, listen, he does the Kevin Hart. You know, if you ever listen to Kevin Hart, see, I got to I got to check in and a savings and I got to move the savings to the check in. And he was very smart to not ha- let one person have all the information. Yes. Like he, like different people knew different things. And that was just a smart way to do it. Because if you didn't know everything, then you didn't know everything. <laughs> and then the his attorney called too. He had his attorney. His attorney didn't even check any of this yeah. information. So he's talking to John Pick. So I guarantee you that his attorney is always getting paid, right? Yeah. So as long as he's getting paid, he's like, oh, this guy must be legit. He can. He's paying for me. I don't need any reason to really look into this stuff. He's talking to another attorney, you know, the, the two attorneys talking to each other. He's like, ah, yeah, don't worry. I think it was that he was worth like 200 and something million dollars. Yeah. It was some astronomical number where he would most certainly be able to afford this team. Because <laughs> I think at this point, the team's only selling for what, a hundred something? Like hundred, Yeah, a hundred something million, something for like that. Today, if you're definitely not a billionaire, you're not owning a team. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah, I can't even like I can't even think of the last team that went for like a hundred million. Like that's chump change now when it comes to professional sports teams. <laughs> what did it last time I heard anything was what Mark Cuban bought the Mavericks, I think for 200 and 200 and something million dollars. And they said he overpaid for that. Yeah. But now they're worth like Buku's more than that by far. Yeah. It, it's just, Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, that's a good one. The Clippers literally sold recently, right? To the, uh, who was, he's a famous billionaire. Oh, it's uh, one of the Microsoft guys. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but it's, he's very famous. Uh, but like he paid like ridiculous money for the Clippers who were, who have never been super good. <laughs> so, they made it to like a conference finals. <laughs> they've made playoffs before plenty of times. I think they may have made the conference finals once or something like that, but they are, um, uh, they are uh, have a history of uh, not living up to whatever potential they remotely have. Oh, that Michael Ola Candy draft pick was. Oh man, I remember that. Yeah, I mean their best players have probably been Chris Paul and Chris Paul, uh, while an incredible point guard, and he's a North Carolina person. So I'm never going to besmirch the name of Chris Paul, but he also has a history of when it's big time, like he, his team's never for whatever reason is no matter how he plays don't get past a certain stage, right? Like they always get knocked out for something. I mean, last year he, when he's playing for the Suns, you know, you had the Mavericks speaking of like destroyed them in that very last game of that playoffs and knocked them out. Uh, and that's with Luca going ridiculous on them. Uh, it was basically a one player team <laughs> and they couldn't stop them. So it, it's just, it's just pretty wild how, uh, how much sports teams are just worth now. It's, it's astronomical. I guarantee you, whatever your local, professional sports team is to you is worth way more than you think it is like the Knicks who have not won anything in a long time are actually still worth ridiculous money. I know the Cowboys, I think are in the top 10 for most because it's not, and it makes sense because as sports fans, we are looking at championships, but yeah, in a way it's like how marketable is that team? Yes. Yes. A very marketable team. Oh, I just, okay. He was buying he was buying the Islanders for $165 million. So they they worked out a deal where he had to come up with like $80, $85 million. Like, yeah, let's let, let, real quick, just to give yeah. you an idea today of value of teams. Again, the New York Knicks, who have not won anything in a long time, which is what you would think a lot of the value would be as a sports fan. Uh, where do you think, this is according to Forbes, by the way, who, what do you think the value of the Knicks is currently? This is as of October 2022. I'm going to say $3.5 billion. 
You need to double that. Really? Yeah. 6.1 billion. Is Manchester United still the most expensive? They might be. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a great question. What sports team is worth the most right now? I'll Google that. You keep on talking about what you were talking about. Okay. So he's got to come up with money because like we said, he's doing the Kevin Hart routine. I got money in places. I got to liquidate it. I got to check in. I got to savings. I got to move the money from the savings to the checking. He's giving them the runaround. So at that point, he goes to Fleet Bank, I believe, in Boston, and they give him like an $80, $85 million bank loan, which he says was easier to get than his first car loan of $12,000. Yes. He said it was, he said he basically just walked into the bank and said, Hey, can you give me this? And they said, sure. And it was $80 million (laughs) with forged documents, just forged documents. And they, and then, so he paid John Pickett that. And then after that, it was supposed to be five payments of $17 million each. Once he made those payments, he was clear and free to own the team. But at this point, he already signed the paperwork after he paid that $80 million. Yeah. Uh, what's wild, though, is if you actually listen to the story, like he has the meeting to actually make the, the sign, right, yeah. to become the owner of the team. And he doesn't have the $17 million that he's supposed to have. He doesn't have it. And so, like, people were telling them, like, hey, don't – the lawyers actually said, hey, he doesn't have this money. Don't do this. And guess what? They did it anyway. But the way that- Another red flag, like a major one. He doesn't have this money for this. And I love this is where he gets into, I kind of compare this to like the welcome back Mr. Cotta thing. I don't know if you ever watched that show with Epstein. Yeah. Where Mr. Cotta always has something to do and Epstein always has a note from his mother to get him out of something. So he. Yeah. Mr. Cotta, Mr. Cotta. Yeah. <laughs> I got a note here. So he, <laughs> he wires the. I'm air quoting seventeen million dollars to John Pickett, but it comes out to be only seventeen hundred. Yeah, that's the bad part. At least make it like a hundred and seven. But he didn't even have that. So no. it's seventeen hundred dollars. By call- the way, which for me personally, seventeen hundred dollars is a lot of money. Yeah, but for who you're who you're portraying yourself to be, it's nothing. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, according to this is 2021, so these values have gone up since then. Uh, but here's a list of the top. Uh, Sports teams, pro sports teams. Yeah, the Cowboys are number one. Okay. Uh, then it's the Yankees, and then it's the Knicks, and then it's Barcelona. That's obviously soccer. There's your top four. And Real Madrid's five. According This is 2021, so it, it could have changed by now. Okay. I, I knew one of the soccer clubs are like major. Oh, soccer's humongous. Or, or football, I should say, is humongous in other places. Yeah. It's getting bigger here, uh, especially I think in youth and stuff, soccer is getting bigger. But um, so I, I honestly do believe that if we wait 10 years time or something like that, soccer will be way bigger than it is now here. I actually played soccer and it's probably the worst sport I ever played at because I played basketball before that. So they would kick the ball in the air and I would jump up and grab it with my hands, which is like, yeah. no, no, it's soccer. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. And Unless I'm, you're the goalie, you don't touch that ball with your hands. Yes, no. and I was, uh, and I was taught old school basketball. So the funny thing is, I would jump up, and as I grabbed it, I bring it down with my elbows out, and I do the elbow side to side <laughs> to clear it out. So, needless to say, during soccer practice, I sat a lot, and then they tried me a goalie, but I have massive stone feet, as I like to refer to them as. So, yeah, yeah, my yeah, see, I'm with you. Like, I have a. I mean, I have a very famous story of our football, high school football coach always wanted me to play football. And it's literally because 
I'm a big dude. He'd never, ever seen me play. And I'd played football before just for fun, and I sucked at it. I was not good. And But basketball was just a sport that I always was actually, honestly, and I'm very hard on myself, but basketball is pretty decent at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could hold my own, I, I would say. But, um, yeah, I was in there. I'm with you. I tried soccer, and I just, like, I, I'm just too slow. Yeah. You know, and I was done with soccer when one of my uh, close friends in high school, we were playing. This was just in gym or whatever. And he, me and him both were going for the ball and he kicked it really hard and he hit me right in the balls. And I was just done for. Like, I was like, I don't want to do anything with this sport ever again. My mother and my brother used to go to the games and they would laugh because when you hit the ball with your head, you know, it's a header or something like yeah. that. And there it was co-ed soccer. So there was a girl on the other team and she kept on hitting the ball with her head. And the father was like, I don't know what her name was but just to say a name and the father would be like good head julie good head and my and i was kind of at the age where i didn't know what it was but my mother and my brother were sitting in the stands and all i see them is you know you look up as a kid you're like oh there they are and all you see them do is laughing and you're like are they laughing at me <laughs> come to find out i didn't handle it because this guy's like good head julie Good head. To be fair, if I'd be there, I would be laughing too because I'm really immature and I can't handle anything above a seventh grade humor. So. <laughs> oh, man. So, as he's supposed to be making these payments, he comes up with more and more elaborate stories. Oh, no, yeah. that was the good faith payment. He was supposed to make a good faith payment after this one messed up of $5 million. And then yeah. he comes over like $5,000. Yeah, he just never uh, had enough zeros. No. (laughs) And he would always have an excuse for it. Uh, And like you said, the excuses got more and more elaborate because they have to, right? You can't just have, you can't just keep saying that, well, my bank has an issue with computers or something like that. You can't just keep using that because eventually that bank's going to fix their computers. (laughs) Yeah. Or what was the one he says he doesn't remember, but the one guy was talking. There was a bombing in London. Yeah, yeah, a legit bombing at a London bank, I think it was. And uh, he claimed that uh, like the carrier was actually even out of the bank or whatever with the money. Uh, but the bombing happened, so he had to put the money back just because this terrible thing had happened and they wanted to make sure all the money was where it's supposed to be or something like that. Like it got ridiculous. And, and it really reminds me of, you remember when you're a kid and you did something you knew you weren't supposed to do, like your parents had told you specifically, don't do this thing. And then of course you do it. And when they come back and they're like, did you do this thing? And you just start telling one lie after another lie. And you got to keep building on a slide to keep this lie up to save your skin or whatever it is. Uh, it really reminded me of that. I definitely had, uh, moments of that where um can't remember what it is we i broke but it was something of bombs and i broke it and i for the long i claimed that the dog did it or something like that um, and and it was all me it was 100 me but i kept saying well the dog the dog was playing around and you know and i felt really bad because that was a great like hercules r.i.p a bishy buddy but he was a great dog and he got blamed for that and he had nothing to do with it it was all <laughs> stupid johnny who deserved to be punished but i kept lying to get my way out of it you know i kept saying well like my mom would be like how did the dog even do that i'm like well he bumped into this and he jumped up to there and blah 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 you know, he had to build upon his lie to save my butt is all it was eventually the truth came out and i did get punished, but yeah, but, but this is the same thing here, right? Like you start yeah. a lie and, and you got to keep adding lies to it 
they keep building and it's just one of those things where it's just kind of happening and then he started like living the lifestyle yes but as he's living the lifestyle he how he's funding his lifestyle because you're probably thinking well how is he doing this he's using the islanders money yes (laughs) and on top of that because you find this out later he he had he has a history of uh people investing in him and giving him money and him just using that money for other stuff. Like, I think he said Mario Lemieux, a very famous, like, that's even a name I know in hockey, uh, had uh, given him, like, $5 million for some kind of investment for something. Oh, I think it was going towards, because they were trying to get a new stadium. Yeah, yes. Nassau Coliseum was going down. But he used that money for Islanders' expenses. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he just whatever the money was for, he used it for an yeah. thing. Kind of like almost a Ponzi scheme in a way. Yeah, yes. And then uh, Roger Stahlbeck company invested in it. Then he even used that. Yeah. If you've ever read anything about Roger Stahlbeck, that guy is like probably the closest thing, like just reading stuff and hearing stories about him. The closest thing we have to Jesus Christ on earth. (laughs) Like it's just amazing. Once gave a guy, a former teammate, a job because his son just passed away all of a sudden. And he gave him a job just so he could clear his mind, gave him a corner office and was like don't do anything you don't even have to come in if you want to but i'm just gonna pay you just don't yeah. worry about it i'm just gonna help you out until you're tragic you know you get over the strategy and everything else like roger yeah. stallback's like like i said closest thing to jesus christ yeah uh, it's it's really rare for for big rich people it seems and i think they actually do this way more than we think but it just feels rare for them to do something quote-unquote good for somebody uh but it does happen a lot um you know over on retro pop we just did an episode about rudolph the red-nosed reindeer right and when uh that was being created robert may the guy who actually uh, montgomery ward was a big company back then in the early 30s and they hire and robert may worked for them and they're the ones who said hey make we need you to make a story for us that we can sell for kids for christmas and that's kind of the gist of where rudolph comes from and uh in the 40s may was having a very rough time financially his wife had passed away yeah he was a single dad uh and what the company montgomery ward did and they didn't have to do this is actually gave him all the copyright rights to rudolph yeah that's yes and you don't hear about that very often like stuff like that just doesn't happen but so the lies are getting more and more he's working on it so he's working on he's working on a bunch of different things though too because he knows that if he can get this get the new coliseum going and he can get the cable deal yes which he does get by the way he He actually gets the cable deal he if he could get those things he can come up with payment and keep this thing rolling and oddly enough this cable deal that he did secure and get for the islanders Weirdly enough, actually saves the Islanders, but they don't want to talk about that because of who this guy is. <laughs> but then things start coming in that he is not who he says he is. Yeah, they're, they're finally starting to notice that, that there are actually red flags here, despite the fact that if that even just took one look, they would have seen these red flags. If they were to, I think the best way that they explained it was is nobody did checks and balances. Nobody called the stars, as we said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was more John Pickett was like, don't worry, the NHL is going to do their job, you know, go through everything. And the NHL was like, don't worry, John Pickett's going to go through everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more, I'm going to leave the job for the next person. And there then- wasn't, there wasn't great communication at all. No, horrible communication. So pretty much after, oh, he funds his lavish lifestyle of uh, hookers and hotel rooms there. Yeah. And that was the other thing is they were actually a day away uh, the Garden was it the Garden City Hotel in Long Island. It's a very famous hotel there. Yeah, where a lot of the rich and famous go when they're in the area. Yeah, 
or John Spano with his hookers. Yeah. Uh, and they were, the owner was going to give them the money. So once again, they could keep this thing kind of, you know, kind of going on and he was going to become part owner of the Islanders. Well, that was all like a day away from all of this happening. And they, then the, then the dam breaks. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Newsday uh, from an anonymous Islander executive gets a whole bunch of just background stuff on John Spano and that everything is just crazy. So Newsday revealed that he grossly misrepresented his net worth. He's only worth $5 million. His company, the Bison Group, had 22 employees and the assets of that was only $3 million. He also lied about graduating from an exclusive uh, prep school. He just graduated from a small Catholic school. And he said he inherited wealth and neither of his grandfathers had an estate valued more than $246,000. He even tried to say that his money was tied up with the mob somehow. Yeah, the, the mob too. Yeah, But that all breaks loose and he is facing a lot of charges. I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, so like bank fraud, wire fraud, forgery in three different states. And also he messed up by, like we alluded to before, he sent over broad bank records through his own fax machine yes. <laughs> instead of sending it through, you know, trying to get it through the bank or through your attorney's yeah. office. Like he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to do this from home. And it's just one of those things you're, you're big into, you know, a lot of like crime stuff and creepy yeah. history. There's always that one thing that slips up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and it's always one stupid thing too, that they just don't think about, uh, you know, the, um, the, um, that serial killer in Kansas, what was his name? The BTK killer at the end of the name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the reason that they even caught him was because he sent them. He actually asked the police, Hey, if I send you a, a computer disc, could you trace it? And the police were like, no. So he sends them a computer disc from the computer that he used at the church that he worked at. And that's how they found him. Cause how stupid, how stupid are you? <laughs> like the Simpsons, right? Didn't the Simpsons do something like that? Get a free boat, and that's a, or they do that all. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like come that. in that have warrants, like when a, you want a free boat, so come and yeah. get, and then all of a sudden they just slap handcuffs on you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really dumb. Like, why would you send the facts if you're trying to uh, make everything seem on the up and up? You don't send something from your own personal fax machine. Like, it just why would you do that? That's it's doing nothing for you there. But he he ends up getting caught and then he runs away. The FBI is supposed to come and get him in his house in Dallas. And he runs to the Cayman Islands and a reporter finds remembers he stays at the Cayman Islands and he calls him and he's like, hey, John, they're not friends at all. He's like, hey, John, you know, the FBI is at your house and he makes he gets angry and talks about taking matters into his own hands and. John Spano said that that quote was misinterpreted. He was supposed to say, I'm going to contact my attorney. And then that's how it's going to be taken into his hands. Yeah. But he's running and he finally gets caught. And like I said, he doesn't he get caught at that hotel. I think he does. Right. Or he or... comes back and turns himself in. Oh, yeah, he does turn himself in. But I think there's also a story in there where they're trying to find him. And somebody's like, oh, he likes to stay at that one hotel all the time in Long Island. And it's and they call that hotel. And they're like, "Hey, is is Spano there?" He goes, "Oh yeah, he just went to his room." <laughs> that's, that's the hotel on the Cayman Islands. Oh, on the Cayman Islands. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. So, that's pretty funny. That's pretty dang funny. Like, why would you go to any? If you're eluding the police, don't go to any of. This is free criminal advice. <laughs> I, <laughs> don't go to any of the places you're known to go to. And the funny thing about it is, once he comes back, he turns himself in, 
and he gets this very high priced attorney. And as yeah. he's supposed to be great, this criminal attorney, I, I don't, I'm not a, an attorney fan of criminal system, but even this guy at one point was like looking at his stuff and he was like, yeah, you might want to take a plea deal. Because yeah. Spano himself thought he was going to get, he was going to get off. Everybody's going to walk, he was going to walk away scot-free and everything else. And this guy's like, yeah, you might want to do that. You know, I still think, I still think cause one of the great things about this documentary is they actually do interviews uh yes Spano himself but and i still get this feeling from him that he he, he admits he did wrong but also get the feeling that he still thinks he could have got away with it oh yeah he, yeah just when he was talking about the whole fax machine and everything yeah. else and him staying awake like he still claims he was like if he could have got a couple more days he could have just made it work <laughs> and that's so such a like a criminal mentality yeah yeah oh, if i just had a couple more days if i just had this i could i yeah. could I could have did it. It's the Uncle Rico situation. If I would have played more, I could have been yeah. an NFL quarterback or something. But I think his his interview is fascinating to me. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Um, by the way, I do highly recommend this thirty for thirty. It's really good. Charles um, also recommends it. Yeah. And if Barkley recommends it, then I'm going to listen for sure. But this uh, this documentary is really good, and the Spano stuff, especially just hearing it from him because he seems very upfront about most of it. Like he just actually just talks about it. Like, Hey, yeah, this is what I did. <laughs> so, and then he actually gets like a, a condo somewhere and he just doesn't pay on that either. I think it's like yeah. New York or Philadelphia doesn't pay, pay on that. Here's, here's also the funny thing too. After he goes and he does his jail time, he gets out in like 04 or something like that. And he goes back to Ohio and starts yet another business <laughs> and he gets caught with fr doing fraud again. Basically uh, he would like, you would pay him money. He would loan you equipment to like, what was it like uh yard equipment and stuff like that to, to do work. Uh, think tractors and such was what I, the, the gist I got out of it. And uh, basically, they these people give him money, and he just wouldn't <laughs> lend them any of the equipment. So he just kept their money, and he got caught for fraud again and got uh, more time. Oh, he's just gonna he's just gonna repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah, let's see. He's got it's kind of it's what he knows, right? That's what he so that's what he does. So for his Islander thing, he got seventy one months in prison, and then he got mail fraud charges in Ohio. That's what you were alluding to. He got 50 in that. He got charged in 2006 when he got sentenced. I'm sorry. Uh, 51 months in prison for that. 2014, once again, theft and forgery charges in Ohio. And he got 10 years in prison. And he had to pay a combined, say, $12.1 million in fines and restitution. Yeah. Stop. Stop. I think I would have been good after the whole, you know, Islanders ordeal where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I got caught. I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. Just because you got caught and you're like, okay, this is what I did wrong. It's probably going to mean that it's going to do it. You know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get caught again. And I love how he compared this to if he was doing it, trying to buy a corporation or a business. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> Nobody would have said a word. No, if somebody would have said a word. You just went through one of the most, you went through a sports franchise, a huge sports franchise. If you were buying a business and on the size of this, there's going to be news on it. But if you're buying yeah. a minor league team or some smaller business that not the whole nation knows about, maybe the news coverage wouldn't be as big, but you are buying an NHL team in yeah. first or second biggest sports media market. In the United, oh, yeah, the New York area, yeah, just New York in general. Yeah, it's yeah. either a that big, or Los Angeles. 
I, yeah. You could take them one or two either way. Yeah. Those are the two biggest. And here you are doing that. You're telling me that you didn't feel like you deserved this media attention. Like you didn't think any of this stuff was going to happen if you got caught. It, yeah. It was, I, I even like that one guy said, even if it was a, a business, he still would have got caught eventually because mm-hmm. you can only hide that stuff for so long before you actually literally need to pay up. <laughs> At some point, somebody's going to expect money for for whatever and if you can't get it then it's 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 just gonna be the end i think the one thing i really in his interview that i really did connect to though is the whole thing about the grandfather clock uh where like each hour it would chime and he would just get more nervous and more anxious because he knew that once it became daytime he had come up with another lie (laughs) about why he didn't have the money you know had to buy himself more time like i think anybody who's been in any sort of situation can relate to that where something's coming up that you're really dreading and just like just uh every hour just as uh, as a clock chimes it just really eats at you <laughs> like the what is it isn't that a story i never read yeah it, the telltale heart yeah telltale heart where they can yeah, edgar Allan poe story yeah uh the good news though came from john pickett is he did end up selling the franchise and he ended up making an extra 30 million dollars more off of the deal oh wait yay yeah Ooh. Sold it for almost $200 million. Yeah. And the team, again, I can't stress this enough, would not have survived without that media deal that Spano himself actually helped get. (laughs) I liked it too when he was talking about getting the Coliseum. Like he was actually working towards that, like getting the new arena. And he's like, I even hired the, you know, the the head of the county's nephew. And it just sounded so like TV, like TV movie, like, oh, yeah nephew of the ceo i mean there's a lot of things too i kind of think the islanders were also embarrassed about all this because they really let him off the hook pretty easily i think with all the things he'd done to them uh basically they agreed not to sue him if he gave them back the rights to the uh, the ownership of the team uh that's the kind of the gist of it uh which is really easy to all right well you don't sue me here you go <laughs> that was the other funny thing is that he did sign the paperwork and he did own it he literally owned the team for like four months, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's just, so the Islanders, they, let's see where they are. They're worth about a billion dollars. Nine hundred That makes sense. Billion. And I'm not sure if this is, this is from the, uh, this is from 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just a wild story. Uh, if you watch it all at the end, it says that, um, because you, because the team does move to Brooklyn, yep. But then they move back, so they're actually that's they're back in Long Island now, right? Yes, yeah. So that's where they're at now. I think that's good. It's really good for the uh, history and for the and for the people there. Um, yeah, I remember what it was like to lose my team, and when they went to New Orleans, and uh, really a major bummer for me. Uh, and then when we got a team back, I was very happy. So uh, it, I get it, man. Sports teams are for the area a major part of the area not just economically but also like for just for people's right like some people live and die by their sports team so yeah i it because like when they won the first cup and the goalie billy smith was like we you know they asked him how did how does it feel bring the cup back to new york and he said we didn't bring it to new york we we brought it to long island we want yeah island and that's, yeah, and that's why I guarantee you, like they said in, this, in these interviews, those guys didn't have to pay for a meal for the rest no. of their time there. Yeah. And I love that how they compared them to the Brooklyn Dodgers of like the yeah. 40s and the 50s of just those were the guys that live in the neighborhood. And Long Island's huge, too, because Long Island, I believe, is considered to have the first suburb well-known in the Levittown. Yeah, I think I'd heard that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's just. 
So what a wild story this Spano stuff is. Uh, the closest thing I remember coming to this is there's another documentary. I think this one's on Netflix, and it's about a minor league hockey team. And like this guy, this rich guy's son kind of takes it over. And there's a lot of fraud and there's actual real mob uh, things oh. in that one. Uh, it's really fascinating. I wish I could remember the name of it, but uh, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's man, this is just so wild. Basically, the guy just BS'd him way into owning a team. <laughs> and at this time, too, the Sabres were going through the same thing with a guy named John Regis. He got busted in 2002 for bank and wire fraud, too, but he already made he already made the purchase of the team. I remember this because being from that area, this was huge. And he got and he bought it in 97. And the funny thing is he owned the cable company in that area, but yet he didn't have any of this money. Hmm. Wild. Some wild stuff. So, they say. Yeah. Thanks to John Spano, nobody can forge themselves to buy an esports team. Yeah, there's a lot more uh, checks and balances, as you like to say. I know in the NFL, you have to be approved by the majority of the owners. In the NBA as well, I believe. Yeah. Before you could even, you know, even think like the purchase can go through, you got to be approved. So, yeah. Which is, I mean, uh, I think it's smart, right? I mean, even if it's a well-known person, you still need to kind of vet for it in a way. So, yeah, uh, I'm 100% behind that. That's just smart. I would assume the NHL's done stuff like that too, considering they yeah. kind of, I mean, this was a real black eye to them. Huge. Uh, yeah. Um, major embarrassment, not only for the Islanders, but for the NHL. So I would assume that they really took some steps since then to be like, hey, we can't let this happen again. And Gary, this is why Gary Bettman is considered out of all four commissioners. Last time I checked, he is considered the worst commissioner out of the four major sports. Because in the 97 interview, he said that Spano is the type of person we want as an owner. He would let you uh, recant to those of Mark. Those... <laughs> A big my bad on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my, my bad. bad no. yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, the mission. Would you like to come in? It reminds me of the uh, Will Ferrell. Ever see the campaign? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he's like, I, I'll, I'll make it a little bit friendly where he's like, I effed up. Okay. What do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to say here? I, I just, I just, I would just love it if like they were interviewing the commissioners. Like, uh, yeah. Would you like to come in again on the Spano stuff since all this stuff's come out? Yeah. I just want to uh, make a big, my bad on this. <laughs> my bad dog. Okay. My bad man. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that wraps this up. Please go check out. Uh, big shot 30 for 30 if you got espn plus it's on there it's 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 also on disney plus yes so please go. I, this is probably one of the 30 for 30s i watched that i wasn't too quite sure about so and it's one of my favorites it's really good i mean i like a good sports documentary anyway but this one's really it's really fascinating yeah. uh, I uh, just just go watch it to see how a guy just like i said just legit just bs's his way up to the top it's impressive <laughs> I wanted to, I, this is where I picked it too, because Johnny is big in the basketball, not so much in the hockey. And I was like, I'm going to combine Johnny's love of just great documentary with a great story with a sport that he's not 100 familiar with to get to like, get him into, you know, get him a little bit more intrigued and everything. So you most certainly, and you accomplished that. I would say it was beyond fascinating. I, I got to put this up with Mick with McMillions. Oh, as a documentary? Yeah. I've got oh, it. Man. Maybe a step below. I can't. McMillions is just so, like, I would say it's just, yeah. I would put this just below it. It's 
kind of up there with it and just how wild and crazy it is. Uh, but McMillions is, is another documentary I would highly recommend. It's just, it's all about when uh, McDonald's first did their um, Monopoly game that, it, that we all know. Uh, it's, uh, man, that's another, I don't even want to give anything away. Just go watch that documentary. It's, it's mind blowing what all happened there. And I think that's about it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. And we did start up a Facebook page. I got uh, some great posts on that as well. So please go check out that. And thank you, everybody. Yeah, and as always, go!